Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. We'll be right back to today's show. But before we do, I want to let you know that you can get a free copy of my first book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma, when you leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcast, either on desktop or on your phone. All you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, look up Think Unbroken, click follow in the top right, and then go and leave a review at the bottom. And when you leave that review, screenshot it and send it over to book.thinkunbroken.com where you can upload your contact and mailing information, and we will send you a free copy of this award-winning, best-selling book, absolutely free, including shipping. Just go to book.thinkunbroken.com to upload your screenshot review from Apple Podcasts for the Think Unbroken podcast. And until next time, my friend, be unbroken. I'll see you. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Hey, my friends. We will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. You're listening to the Think Unbroken podcast, and I'm your host, Michael Unbroken. I'm an author, speaker, coach, and advocate for adult survivors of childhood trauma and abuse. In this podcast, you will learn how to transform your trauma into triumph, turn breakdowns into breakthroughs, and go from victim to being the hero of your own story. You can learn more at thinkunbrokenpodcast.com, and of course, check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify at Think Unbroken Podcast. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well. Very excited to be with you today with my friend, Martin Salama. Martin, my man, how are you? What is going on in your world? I am fantastic, and everything's going on in my world because I look at everything as a great day and how to make it even better. Yeah, I love that. I mean, that's a, you know, one of the things that in researching you and, and coming on, you know, I here's the thing about life coaches, man. And I know you are one and we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about why we do that, but as one, and, and really, I think of myself more as a transformation coach more than anything. Um, we have done this for ourselves first. And, and I think that's one of the things people really don't understand when they go and they look at people who are in the coaching space or the teaching space. And it's like, yo, I had to do this and and that's very much your story. And so 
As we dive in today, I would love if you give us a little background about how you got to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, the best coaches coach in the areas that they understand. You can't coach somebody if you don't understand the, 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 the steps that they've taken. Doesn't mean you've gone into exactly the same footsteps, but you've had similar journeys and they're coming to you because you get them. Mm. And how do you get them is because you lived what they lived through in a different way, but similar. Yeah. Yeah. It's always different. And, you know, I like to me, I'm like, if you want to be a bodybuilder, like I can't, I've never been a bodybuilder. I can't help you with that, but I can help you with the mindset about it. I can help you overcome the procrastination and the struggle in it. And, and I think that's been a big part of your journey too. Like how, yeah. like, how did you get here? How did I get to where I am today? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I have to start from when I was a kid, from when I was 10 years old, because I look at my life now that they were defining moments. Okay. And you don't realize them when they're in the moment. Most of the times you're like, oh my God, that was a time where my life changed. And I made decisions based on what happened. And for me, it started at 10 years old, and uh, ten, which is almost 50 years ago. Uh, I was walking home from school with one of my sisters, one of my four older sisters, and there was a school bus stopped in front of our house, only to find out that the bus had stopped and the bus driver was standing in front of the, on the sidewalk. Because then the next thing I saw was my mother running out, carrying my five-year-old brother, Michael, in her arms, jumped in the car and drove away. The bus driver, when my brother Michael got off the bus, he's five. He dropped something in front of the bus. The bus driver looked, didn't see him, and drove. And four days later, my brother passed away from those injuries. And the reason I say that was a defining moment, it was the most tragic day of my life, and hopefully I'll never have anything tragedy come close to that. But it was even more tragic for my parents losing a child. And they were distraught. We were all distraught. But as a 10-year-old, I told myself, uh-oh. It's now my job to carry on the legacy on my own. I was looking at me and my brother. We were going to set the world on fire together. Now that was gone. And I said, I have to make sure that my parents never feel anything like that again. And I decided at that moment that it's my job to make them happy. And I can look back now and say, that's when I became a people pleaser. You know, and that set me on a goal for the, on a, on a journey for the next 40 years of always trying to make everybody happy. And you know what comes with those things of being a people pleaser? For me, I had a short temper. I was a control freak. I took everything personally. And at the end of the day, really what it was all about it was because I wanted the attention for the, pe the pleasing that I was doing. Martin, you're doing such an unbelievable job. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All the validation, the recognition that comes with that. And I wanted my parents, specifically my father's, recognition for that and it took until a few years before he passed that i got that recognition about 10 10 years before he passed but it was still you know hard to to always do that and then in 2008 the world fell apart and and i thought i was working on a project for five years to build a multi-million dollar health club and tennis center in new jersey and that came about because in 2003 i closed the business and my wife said you know you're looking for something to do. I can't find any time to play tennis. I just started playing tennis. Let's open tennis courts. The people pleaser in me said, okay, I want to make my wife happy. And we went on a five-year journey to do that. Three, three plus million dollars later, we get all the approvals. And it's a long story of how we got there. 
got all the city approvals, go to the banks. I'm like, okay, we're ready to borrow now. You said when we're ready, you're going to be there. That was in 2006, 2007. They weren't lending anymore. I was like, what? What are you talking about? A month later, Bernie Madoff, subprime loans, the world turns upside down. And so do I. I stopped paying my mortgage. I stopped paying my car payments. About two months later, my, my son calls me. He says, Dad, look out the window. They're towing away your car. I was being repossessed. I never had that before in my life. And, you know, eventually they took the house because they foreclosed on it. But in New Jersey, it was so backed up, it took a few years for it to happen. But they took it. And that was a kick in the pants like you cannot believe. And just when I thought I was getting over it, I decided, okay, I'm going to do something else in my life. I'm going to become a life coach. Because I was always helping people. I was always in that people-pleasing mode. So I was always involved in community events. But I was a leader too. And I was like, guys, just give me a little time. I'll show you what you can do. And about two months before coaching started, it was my 24th wedding anniversary. My wife said, I'm done. I want a divorce. I'm like, oh my God, how much more can happen to me? Because that's how I was looking at everything. That the world was against me. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go to life coaching anyway. And I think God was sending me a message saying, Martin, you got to get your stuff together. Here's your opportunity. And they gave me a couple of books to read before. They said, read one or two of these books. One of them was The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, which is a life changer for me. When I read Don't Take Anything Personal, I was like, wait a minute. I don't have to have the world on my shoulders. I don't have to please everybody. Wow. What a concept. And then I went in and I said, okay. And they said to me that first weekend, you don't have to stay with who you think you are. You can change those things that are not working. And that got me going. Man, a lot of thoughts here. And the, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, lo losing somebody at such a young age. It's almost, I would have to assume, especially if it's a sibling, it's almost impossible to not want to have that hurt the experience in your family again. And, you know, I, I had this weird experience as a kid of, with going through all the violence that I went through and all the pain and hurt and trauma, where it's like, I just, I desperately wanted people to like me. Right. And I realized that the more I tried to get people to like me, the more they didn't which was really interesting. And it's just, it's fascinating juxtaposition because on this one hand, you're like, okay, I feel no valid experience of any kind, except when people are giving me admiration, but they never give me admiration because they're always like, dude, get away from me. You're very <laughs> annoying. And, and I'll be honest, like being annoying has been a trait that has served me well in business, <laughs> um, but in, in life, it, until I understood it, it didn't really. Right. And, and I think so much of the way that I look at the world is scoped through, through those childhood experiences because they always lead us to where we are. Mm -hmm. And yeah, look, man, your, your life can suck a lot, but it can also be really beautiful. And I've had both sides of the spectrum. And I think probably the thing that I've realized more than anything is like life is in percentages, right? And I'd say 5% of life is really awful. And 5% of life is really great. And the other 90% is just kind of in the middle. Yeah. I'm not saying it's bad or great or in I'm just saying it's just kind of life. And, and I think that you reading that book, I read the four agreements as well. It didn't hit me as hard, right? Cause we all have our different thing, yeah. but, but what hit me 
when I did read it was the same thing. I was like, yo, dude, it ain't all about you. Selfish. You know, (laughs) you, you doing things for other people isn't about you. It, I mean, it is kind of right. I mean, anyone who's like mother Teresa was a saint. I'm like, okay, cool. But she probably had a giant ego. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, how could you not? And so I'm like, when, when the world is impacting you, you have to be will, and this is my opinion, you have to be willing to look at it and go, where's the opportunity? And so I want to go back. You said something that I, that actually hit hard for me. Um, I got my car repossessed as well when I was, I guess I was 23, might've been 24, making 150 G's a year, hmm. right? And just somebody, they're like, dude, you're not paying your bills. For me, it was probably not the same experience as you. For me, it was just, I wasn't responsible. I didn't understand money. I was partying my face off. I was in massive debt. And I was like, oh, they, I saw my mom's car get repoed. I guess it's just normal. When you're in that moment, you're going through that. Cause so many people are always in this place where they're like, man, I'm facing all these setbacks and God hates me. And the universe wants me to not even be here and blah, blah, blah. Like how do you, most people, here's what's crazy about your story. Most people would not still go be a life coach. <laughs> Right. Well, it happened, it happened like in 2008 and it wasn't until over a year later, I'd gone through some therapy and I'd gone through some coaching, you know, and I was able to come through that, those things and say, okay, I got to put my, my life back together again. All right. And I looked at, I realized that what I loved to do best was help people. And maybe it was the people pleasing part of me. It was the, the community thing. I was the founder of the first synagogue of Eatontown, New Jersey. That at the time, I'd wake the guys up on Saturday morning. We need 10 guys to make, you know, to make the services work. And now there's over 400 families in that synagogue. Mm. And it's because of the work I did back then. But I knew that I could, I could inspire. I can do those things. I can get people going. And I can show people what they don't see in themselves that I see in them. How did you, I need to pause you real quick because I want to go in that a little bit deeper. How did you find that in you first though, especially with all that chaos? Well, I I think because of my 40 years, 40 plus years before that, I'm always being involved in community events and seeing success after success. And now I realize it was because I had no emotional attachment to the end of the success, which is something I coach around in 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 my coaching practice is that when you put emotional attachment towards the success, that's when failure happens, right? So I never, I always had the attitude of, well, hope for the best, but expect the worst. In any type of things I did in community events, in fundraisings and all that, because I said, all I can do is give my best and then sit back and let happen what could happen. And 98% of the time they were successful because I gave it my all and I didn't attach myself to the outcome. So as I was going through this therapy and coaching, I was like starting to peel away these layers. So it started before that. And it was about clearing out the chaos and focusing in, where do I want to go? What do I want to happen next? I'm tired of being in businesses that succeed and fail, succeed and fail like a freaking roller coaster. So I said, I got to find something that makes me happy as well. And that's where that came from. Happy is an interesting word because (laughs) I I think it's one of those words that people leverage 
all the time without really understanding. And, and this has been my experience that happiness is just like, I can be happy 36 times in one day, you know, and yeah. I can be in a bad mood 112 times in one day, Yeah, you know, and, and I think people look at their life and they go, man, my life isn't that good. Cause I'm not happy all the time. And I'm like, bro, nobody's ever happy all the time. I it's mean, you look possible. at some people and, and I do believe you control your state. I do believe you control your emotions. I do believe that you, but like, you cannot go through these traumatic experiences and be like, I'm happy about it. Like, that's just nonsense. No, right? it's not possible. And it's so funny because so many people think life coaching is about making people happy all the time. No, I, I talk about building your emotional strength. That doesn't mean never get mad. It means when you're getting mad, respond instead of react, right? Because I was a reactor. I reacted every time I got mad to the point that I was like a nuclear reactor. I was leaving fallout all over the place, mm. right? And then I'd have to go back and apologize. And usually my apologies were like those, I'm sorry I did that, but you know, this was going on, that was going on. You pushed my button. That's mm. not an apology. I coach around understanding what anger is about, what sadness is about and work through them. Don't ignore them because that's not going to help. Don't react because that doesn't help either. Find that balance. Coaching, if the right coaching is about understanding all of your emotions and working through them. Yeah. And, and I think having the, the, one of the things that I discovered about myself that has helped me tremendously, which people pointed to a lot that I just ignored was that I was always reacting to things. And, and then when I would blow up because I would, you know, it's so funny. I look back, take me back 12 years, 15, 20 years ago, man, I was just a completely different person, completely different values, completely different identity. And the little, the, the most small minuscule thing would make me want to burn your house down. Right. And then there would come to pass this moment where I'd be like, oh, wait a second, dude, that was actually really stupid. That thing you said, that thing you did, the way you behaved, the way that you acted. But I would always, my apologies then were very much like, I'm sorry, you're hurt about it. I'm sorry, you're upset about it. And I, and I realized like, that's what I was taught. I was taught that it's other people's fault. I was taught that it's always on them. It's not on you. And, you know, blame the world, the government, the president, the school. And, and I was like, wait a second. No, dude, this is your fault. Your relationship sucks. It's on you. Right. Your finances suck. It's on you. Your body's not in great health. It's on you. And that's hard, man. And, and I'm wondering when you, when you have to face that in yourself, what's that journey like for you, even today? Well, today, because I've conditioned myself and literally I was like a Pavlov dog when I went through this, you know, you know, I conditioned, I, I taught myself to change the way and Thank God I can say I'm now happily married to someone else for five years. And when she hears stories about the old me, she's like, who was that guy? Mm, and like, you, that. You're never going to meet him. He's dead. All right. But so what happens now is do I never get mad or freak out? No, of course not. There were times that it happened. But instead of it being 90, 95% of the time, it's more like 5% of the time. And in the other 95%, when something comes up, I take a deep breath. I say, is this affecting me personally? Am I taking it personally? Or is it something going on with them? 
that they're projecting onto me. And, you know, it's unbelievable how I used to react. And now people look at me like, okay, what's your answer? I go, well, I got to think it through. You know, they want a snap answer. And that, because they want you, you know, there were, I recently had something where a guy came to me and they were arguing with me. And I just kept calm. Eventually, he came down to my level and spoke calmly because I didn't jump up to his level of getting elevated in the conversation. And I looked back and I was like, wow, that's crazy. I got to do that more. <laughs> it's, it's funny to me how, I, you know, it's easy to be explosive, right? And, and people really justify it. I, I put this rule in my life well, probably six years ago. Mm. Yeah, it's probably about six years ago. And I put this rule in my life and I said, no one's ever allowed to yell at me under any circumstances. Wow. And, in, and in reciprocation, I do not yell at people. Like it just, it's, it's hard, fast. It's a no. The yeah. first time I'll be like, yo, we got to talk about this. Not okay. The second time I'm like out. Because I right. realize like we communicate in the same styles that we're taught, that we are exposed to as children, that we grow up. And I mean, even our teachers yell at us. And I, yeah. I know I, I come from this age in which the teachers could still hit you. That's right. You know, and I'm like, wait a second, that doesn't benefit anybody. So if you're spending your life thinking violence and verbal outbursts, and that is the way you communicate, like that's a weird way to look at the world because when you look at it now, like to me, the idea of yelling at someone is so asinine because that means you have no idea how to control yourself. Exactly. And, and you talked about coaching and anger. And I, I love this topic because man, I, I can't tell you how many times people have like, you're angry all the time. And I'm like, I know I hate the world. And I'm like, wait a second, maybe it isn't that. I heard this quote, I, God, I wish I could remember who said this because it was one of the most beautiful things I've probably ever heard in my life. They said, you have no idea how much violence I had to experience to find this much peace. And I remember sitting and think like it, dude, it just hit me so hard. Yeah, I get when it. You're, when you're coaching and you're guiding people through anger, like what is the thing that they don't understand? Well, one of the things is, is they don't understand is what you think of me is none of my business, right? It's like, I don't care what other people are thinking. Don't tell me what you're thinking of me because that means you're trying to get a reaction out of me. And most of the time people will react to it. And, and the people that are doing it, they're going to rationalize that it's okay. You talked about justify before. It's the same thing. I took the word rationalize and now I look at it and I rationalized all my life that everything I was doing is for the greater good or that I was for this reason or that reason. And I broke it down. And, and uh, you have my, my cards in front of you. One of them talks about the word rationalize that I took it in. I broke it into two words, rational lies. And that's how mm. I look at it. It's, it's rational to tell yourself that goes against you, against what you believe, because you want to please somebody else or you want to, it's your ego talking or whatever but it's a lie. So it's rational that you're saying this lie to yourself so that you can get through whatever it is that you want to get through. What, what part of it is the lie though? Well, for example, I'll make it on a simple level. You decide you want to start exercising almost every day. And then you wake up one day and go, you know, I'm too tired today. I don't really feel like exercising. So are you giving up on yourself 
and saying, oh, I'm going to let myself do that. Or are you saying, really, I do need to get up. And I know if I'm 10 minutes into it, I'll start enjoying the exercise. So are you telling yourself a rational lie on a simple level of saying, I don't want to exercise today? Just, just admit it. Say, I don't want to exercise. Don't say, I'm too tired. Yeah. Literally just today, I posted, stop lying to yourself. There you go. You know, because there's always something. You know, and it's like, and someone commented, they were like, why should I do that? And I said, do you want to be successful and love yourself? Because if you're lying to yourself, you're not, I don't know how you get there. Because I was a, I was a great liar. You know, and a lot of that I learned, I literally learned how to be a, a liar from my mother. Like I just watched her lie her way out of everything or into everything. Like she was so manipulative and conniving. Like those are literally the words I'm using because that's what I, I bore witness to. And so I became this masterful liar. It's, it's unbelievable how good I became at it. The worst part about being great at lying though is you have to lie to yourself first. That's right. And, and when I understood what was happening, like when I was destroying my life, burning it down around me, the, I was like, let me look at the values I have. Like, who am I really? Mm -hmm. And I realized I had to actually make a decision to choose honesty as my core value, my number one core value. Wow. That, that's huge. I, dude, it would, to this day, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, but and, and you know what? When I was a kid, I was a master liar as well. But you know what? Most people, they tell so many lies that they forget the different lies that they tell. And they end up getting caught up in the lie. But a master liar knows how to tell the exact same lie to everybody so that they can never get caught if they're really good at it. And that was me. I would tell the lie and I would tell everybody the exact same lie. So, and I believed it myself after a while. Because this way, if somebody caught me, they were like, but you said this. No, no. I, I said the same thing every time. I'm very good at that. Here's what's interesting about that. Because I, I here's the juxtaposition. There's always a dichotomy in life. Always. Yeah. I believe to some extent you do have to lie to yourself to become who you're capable of being because you have to have the arrogance of belief. Wow. That's interesting. Here's what I mean by that. I'll go into this because I think it matters because it's this weird joke. It's A, know thyself. I think you have to be massively cognizant of who you are, right? Mm -hmm. I think yeah. that's the only way this works. And that starts with honesty. I think you have to convince, maybe convince is a better word than lie, but you have to plant a seed in your own head that you're capable of doing something that feels impossible and right. believing in yourself beyond any shadow of a doubt that you can do it. All right, I get what you're saying, but I don't know if the word lie is the right one. Yeah, and maybe the it's right not word. the right word, but to me, it's like you have to, you have to trick yourself into believing. Trick yourself. Man, trick yourself. That's what it is. It's like, you know, like hypnotize yourself to do it. You know, trick yourself. Say, I can't do this. Every time you say I can't, you're telling the truth to yourself. And every time you say I can, you're telling the truth to yourself. It's, it's, it, that was one of the things I go over. How often I used to say, I can't. And when I'm talking with clients, I tell them, the more you say, I can't, the more you'll get nowhere in life because you're convincing yourself that the world is crap and I can't do anything about it and I can't do anything about myself. Yeah. Just change it to how can I and figure it out. Oh, I can't afford that car. Okay, how can I afford it? What can I do 
And what am I willing to get out of my own comfort zone to get what I want? Yeah. That's the difference. Pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And, and I think part of it is putting yourself in a position where you are for, like, I think Martin, the only way things change is you have to like literally force them. Yes. You know, as you and I are talking, I, I showed you before recording, like my life is packed up in boxes in front of me right now to transition and go into a space of unfamiliarity, of discomfort, but of possibility. Right. Because I believe a huge part of this journey is like, you've got to put yourself into places where you got to find out who you are. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm wondering, like, as you're in this, when, what do you find in people that you work with in, in their discovery? Like, what are they learning about themselves in the transformation, in the transitions? Yeah, I think a lot of it is them understanding they have to get comfortably uncomfortable. And that means being willing to say the things that have, have, haven't worked for me in the past, I've got to change. The things I thought were default tendencies, I have to change them if I want what I want. And then when I love it when I'm with a client and all of a sudden they come back one week or two weeks and they're like, I get it. Oh my God, I tried this trick. I tried this, this, this system you gave, this, this, this program you put into place, like, uh, like build your emotional strength. And it worked. I'm like, yeah, but here's the difference. It's only going to work if you keep on doing it and you keep on reinforcing it. Otherwise, it's just a one and done. How do you, how does that apply to your life? Well, it applies to my life in a lot of ways because every day I'm finding myself challenged with, am I going to react or am I going to respond to things that come up? You know, I'd like to say that everything's great with my ex-wife and stuff like that, but there's times that I want to just like, ah, <laughs> oh, come on, we're divorced 10, 12 years already. Can you get, a, can you get it now? But, you know, and I hold back because I know that deep down she's trying to push that button because that was the button she always pushed. And it used to be, she'd say to me, I don't want to fight, but, and that was a button for me to say, okay, ding, 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 let's get up. Not physically, but let's start fighting, uh, you know, uh, yelling at each other. And at the end of the day, she'd say, but I told you I didn't want to fight, but you started the fight. And I finally realized she was making me start the fight so that I could be the bad guy. So now when she, she doesn't do that anymore because I conditioned her out of that. But there are times she'll call me up and she'll say, you know, there's this going on and that going on. I'm like, if there's something going on with one of our kids, if they don't bring it up to me, it doesn't exist. Mm. And she's like, what do you mean? I said, telling you about it isn't going to do any good between my relationship with my son. He's got to tell me about it and be a man and come and tell me what's going on. And then we'll figure it out. Mm. It sounds to me like boundaries, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's one of the things that if you're a people pleaser is a really hard tool to leverage. Yes. Yes. Now I'm a recovering people pleaser. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get, you know, people see me now and I don't think that they believe that I was always just like the yes person all the time. And it, and Finding boundaries in my own life meant not only removing people from my life, but it also meant a lot of discovery mm -hmm. into who I am and what I want. 
how do you how do you get into finding boundaries? Like, all right, so if you've spent your whole life being a people pleaser and you're like, I'm a yes person, and now you're in this position where you're like, wait a second, this isn't what I want. How do you like how do you shift that identity? Right. So you know when you're building a wall, it's one brick at a time. Right. You do a little bit at a time, like in the old ways with the brick wall. Okay. It's the same thing here. You can't figure that the wall is going to go up in one day or the change. For me, once I recognized that I was a people pleaser, my thing became, I'm going to take care of myself first, as long as I'm not actually hurting somebody in the, in the process. That means, okay, they call me up. They, Can you help me out with this? No, I can't. Am I really hurting them? No, they needed my help. I couldn't do it. I wasn't available for whatever the reason was. And they'll find somebody else. The old me was like, oh, I got to do it. I got to make them happy. So that was the first part of the foundation was setting up something in my mindset that said, I got to take care of me first. Now, I'd like to say in the beginning, it was just like that. But again, it was a slow progression to the point now, you know, it used to be my kids wouldn't call me to tell me something was wrong because they know I'd freak out. Same thing. But now they call me, they go, dad, this happened. I'm like, okay, so what'd you do about it? Because in the old days, it was like me jumping the plaque, control freak that I was. Let me figure out how to fix this for you. Now I'm like, you got to figure this out on yourself. If you need some advice, come to me. I'll talk you through it. And then you go do what you need to do. What was the shift in you? Like, was there a moment? Was there an ideal? Was there something specific that changed this mentality for you? Yeah, it's when I was going through the divorce. And at first I was going through this whole thing of my blaming myself for the failure of the marriage. Hmm. All right. And I, and God works in crazy ways because when I went to coach training, what happened is after the first weekend module, because there was like four weekend modules over almost a year, they give you a peer coach and you peer coach somebody else, somebody else from the class. And my peer coach had just come through a divorce. And I was going through my divorce. So I had the perfect coach for me at that time because she understood what I was going through. So she could talk me through the things and told me. So when I moved out and it was a tough time, I cried for a week when I moved out. I moved back to New York from New Jersey. And I was like, I'm never going to see my kids. And I, there's no shot. And I finally realized that I'm going through this process for me, not for anybody else. In the beginning, when I first started, there was a little part of me that said, maybe this will save my marriage. But when I finally let go of that idea and said, you got to start liking yourself a little more, that came by being coached into it, by having somebody there to say, to bounce ideas off of, to grow on that. And that's why I love coaching myself because I'm not giving the people the answers. I'm asking them the questions so that they could answer it for themselves that they can't figure out without getting the right questions asked. So that's where my, my turning came by having people around me who asked me the questions that I might've been afraid to ask myself. Yeah. And, and in turn, what I've discovered is you have to ask questions as well. And the, the quality of questions determines the quality of your life. That's like right. I see that more and more every single day. And, you know, it's easy to beat yourself up and look at, relationships that fail, business that fail, getting repossessions or losing a house. 
and go, I'm a loser, I suck, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's easy. The hard part is the compassion. The yeah. hard part is the grace. Something that I've learned, for lack of a better way to phrase it, through a trial by fire, right? Yeah. It's like, you want compassion? Okay, crawl through this glass so you can get there. And, <laughs> and that's kind of been what it is. And I've realized that the more compassion and grace that I have for myself, the easier it is to be successful. And I'm not talking about monetarily and I'm not talking about like cash in the bank or I'm just talking about in the day to day, man. It's like, yeah, if I drop the glass on the ground, I don't destroy the world. Right. You know, something happened last week in my house. We, we redid the kitchen. You know, I'm very fortunate that I got married again. I've been married for almost five years. And you talked about values. When I started dating, I finally understood what values were. My values started with family, communication, honesty, authenticity. Those are my values, right? So that's what I looked for. But so last week, we built this kitchen. It's been about we built it in the middle of COVID, and something happened, and the the the, the countertop cracked just a little bit. My wife came in. Oh my God! I can't believe what happened. I never should have changed the whole kitchen. I give. I'm like. Relax. Did somebody die? But the old me would have been, get that freaking contractor on the phone right now. It opens. It's a little, a little crack in the clay, in the countertop. It's, you know, what do they call it? Um, uh, quartz or, uh, uh, or, you know, I can't remember the words right now, but you know what I mean. It's, it's a nice stone countertop. Yeah, I mean, talk about a great parable for life. It's like, are you really freaking out about the crack? <laughs> exactly. We have our health. We have a wonderful marriage. You have wonderful kids. I have wonderful kids. So freaking want the guts to get out the crack. Yeah. I mean, that's really, that's like really a strong parable for life. It's like that cannot be the thing you're upset about. She came back down later and she said, I'm really sad about it. I said, okay, get yourself over it when you're ready. And then we'll figure out what to do. Don't yeah. Worry. I mean, and, and look, and there's a solution. You pick up the phone, you call the contractor. Hey, Bob, dude, we just got this in. We paid you $5 million, whatever, right? <laughs> like, dude, you got to come do your job. Yeah. Fix this thing. Yeah. And it's like, that's everything in life. Like, there's always a solution. There's nothing you can't get yourself out of. There's no problem you can't solve. There's no thing. I've been in some really crazy scenarios in my life. Mm -hmm. like literal life and death stuff. And, and I look at it and I go, man, somehow we survived it. Yeah. And yeah. it's like some people, but here's the thing, Martin, this is what I want to get to. Some people will carry that crack forever. They do. They They'll do. For, in 30 years, forever. The, the grandkids will be walking through the kitchen. Oh, I can't believe the crack. And you're like, but why? Doesn't matter. Like it actually doesn't matter. Okay. We're so concerned with being worried all the time. And you see this a lot. One of the things I love about these cards that you sent me, which are incredible. Thank you. We'll talk about them right now because I want to get into it. I mean, they're called warrior to warrior, like W-R-R-I-E-R. -R -R. Say that five times fast. And it's like so many people warrior get caught up. Exactly. Warrior. So many people get caught up in worry. And it's like, here's, here's my, I want your perspective and the way you look at it. I, I, I'm curious if we see it through the same scope. I don't worry about anything anymore because I've just realized it doesn't actually matter. It doesn't. There's a difference between worry and concern. Mm, break that down. So to me, worry is 
Chicken Little. The sky is falling and who's going to fix it? What good is that? Concern is, oh, there's something going on. How can I help to fix this? I'll give you a perfect example. About a year and a half ago, in Surfside, Florida, a building collapsed. And people, like 50, 60 people died. Hmm. Okay? One of the people that lived in that building was a friend of mine. Hmm. And they're going through the days, and everybody's freaking out because they can't find Estelle. They don't know what happened to Estelle. It was in the middle of the night. And people are worried. And two of my friends flew down to Florida and said, we're going to help the parents get through this. All right. Ends up that at the end of the day, Estelle was the last one that they identified. And I think they just, I think she, the building collapsed on her and she just basically disintegrated because all they found was DNA. But I, I got onto Facebook and I said, guys, I know we're all worried about Estelle, but worrying about Estelle isn't going to do anything. Let's be concerned. Let's be like these women, Lisa and another one, uh, Dahlia, these friends of mine who went down there to support the parents get through this and talk with the people that are going, uh, that are leading the, the, the efforts and see how we can help. I said, that's the difference between worried and concerned. Getting on the Facebook and saying, I'm crying for Estelle. We don't know what happened. What you're doing is mass hysteria. We all care about Estelle. Ends up, she was the last one. I went to her funeral. And we cried. But there was closure there for the parents and all that. But these women went out of their way to say, what can I do to help the situation? So that's the difference between worry and concern for me. Worry is you're running around with your head chopped off and you don't have any solutions. And you, you know, worry gets you nowhere. But it seems to me that there's something in human nature that makes us want to worry. Like yeah. it's, it's almost all consuming yeah, the could debt, be. the car payment, the kids grades, what's for dinner, the fight that you had last week. Like, like, how do you move through that? Because to me, I feel like I had to move through that and I don't worry anymore. Mm. I agree with you about concern. I'm concerned about a lot of stuff. I mean, that's why we have this show, right? But I'm not worried. Right. And and when you're in this society in which everything around you tells you to be worried all the time, because it's the end of the America is chicken little, bro. I'm just going to call it what it is. <laughs> it is. So how the hell do you navigate this? Well, that's exactly what happened during COVID. So the world shuts down. It's March 2020. The world shuts down and they go, we're going to be shut down for three weeks. I'm like, OK, now it's May and we're still shut down. And I turned to my wife and I said, let's drive to New York City. We live in Brooklyn. Let's go to the city. And, you know, spend the day in the city in the car. We'll keep our six feet distance. We'll wear our masks and stuff like that. I get to New York. And if you know New York City at any time, driving up any of the avenues is forever. Because you know, there's so much traffic. I was able to drive straight up 6th Avenue without missing a traffic light. That's impossible. There was nobody on the streets. It's impossible, right? And I turned to my wife. I said, I don't get it. What is everybody so worried about? And then really I said, why are we not worried? And I realized the ten, last 10, 12 years, losing, you know, the, 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 the eight, 2008 financial crash, losing my, my, you know, getting divorced, 
a whole weight gain, a loss gain thing that I went on. It's a part of my story. I realized I can get through anything because I prepared. I've learned how to deal with all these things and understand how to go through them. So I got onto Facebook. I said, guys, I get it. I know why you're worried, but you're worrying for what? So, and I, because I was there, I was the same way. So let me show you how to go from being a warrior to a warrior. And that's where that came up from. No, I love that. Yeah. You know, it's fine. I love New York. I'm there all the time. And even just recently, when was I there? October. So a few months back and Chelsea was like, it's always been. And I was like, man, it is taking literally forever to get anywhere. And it's like, see, and I, I know, man, I'm going to be careful. I'm going to tread lightly here because we are always faced with the next disaster. We're always faced with the next loss. We're always like, that is human nature. Like it is the world that we live in. Like my, my plants are dead that are over here next to me because I was on a trip for too long. And I was like, I didn't water them. Right. And it's like, okay, cool. We can learn from that. Yeah. What do we need to do? I, I bought those little bulb things you put in that have water, like prop, like exactly. find a solution. The problems are always going to be there. They're not going away. But right. when you look for a solution, there's always an answer. Man. Right, right, right. Uh, just, just a little while ago, my wife called me and I'm kosher. So I either eat dairy or I eat meat. I don't eat them together. So we made plans to go out with a couple of other couples tonight for dinner. And we were going to a meat restaurant. And one of the wives called up my wife and said, you know, we don't feel like going for meat. We want to go for dairy. So she said, okay, Martin wants to eat fish. So she goes, okay, can you find a place to go? She goes, no, you're the one that wants to eat dairy. Go find out where we're going to eat. Don't come to me with a problem without a solution. Yeah, that's the key. Like that's, I teach this to my teams. I teach this to my employees. I teach this to people when I'm speaking. Like, I'm like, find the solution. That's it. Don't come to me complain. Find the solution. Here's, and here's why, I don't know if you'll agree or not, but the reason that I have required solutions when people come to me is because I cannot solve your problem. That's right. I cannot solve your problem. That's right. I, we brought I, I you here for answers, But it may not be the right answer. You know the answer inside of you. You just don't want to do the work. You want somebody else to do it for you. Well, I think, yes. And I think that people are scared that if they're wrong, they're going to yeah, get in trouble. What's the consequences? Yeah. yeah. But what's if the consequences I, if you don't make the decision? There are bigger consequences if you work for me, if you do not make the decision versus if you make the wrong decision. Right. I've never, ever fired anyone ever for making the wrong decision for the betterment of the company because they believed it was the right thing to do. And by the way, those who do not make a decision, make a decision to do nothing. Mm. Yeah, you are deciding. Yep. You're choosing. You're choosing to do nothing. You're act. You're inactively <laughs> creating your own fate. Yeah, yeah. I could tell. I could tell you a story that I just heard a few months ago about when the formation of Israel was coming. I know I talk about Judaism a lot, but that's where I come from. And David Ben Gurion was given the choice of: should we, on May fifth or whatever the day was, go forward with the plan, or and know we're going to go to war, or should we wait? And he said. If we wait, what's going to be any better? Nothing's going to change. He says, so making the decision to wait, we know that people are going to die. We hate the idea that people are going to die. But if I make the decision to wait 
it'll never happen because they'll always come on telling us to wait, wait, wait. He said, let's go forward and we'll see what happens. And this, and this April, I'm going to Israel to celebrate the 75th birthday of the country of Israel. Mm. Because of it's that interesting to me how the speed and decision-making almost feels like a requirement. Yes, yes. Make a decision, and then along the way, make corrections. Don't waffle on the decision. Make a decision. And then as you... Okay, so let's go into that, because I know somebody right now just said, well, how do I know if it's the right decision? You don't know. You don't know if it's the right decision, and that's part of my course. Part of the cards that you have there is the cycle of A's, which is ask, act, and attitude. Ask the universe for what you want. Now start working towards getting it and then have an attitude. I don't care about the outcome. Have a detached emotion to the outcome. Because if it's not supposed to happen, the universal guard will give you a sign and tell you, got to make a course correction. And don't get upset when that happens because it's part of the process. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good point. And here's what's interesting too is you only know if you're ever right in retrospect. That's right. And There's that no could be fast going later, right? You know, it's like, to me, it's like I go to a restaurant, I order a food and it comes in front of me, I take a bite. I'm like, damn, I got the wrong thing. You know, immediately, right? Sometimes it takes 10 or 12 years to pan out but there's always an opportunity to correct. Like, like I'll order the wrong food. I'll be like, oh, this will be really good tomorrow. I'll box it up. And then I'll just be like, <laughs> I'm actually gonna get that. Like I've literally done that. And people, wow. it's fascinating, dude. People will suffer through eating food they don't want to eat. <laughs> it's crazy. And but then yeah, or they're afraid to tell the, 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 the waiter or waitress, this isn't how I liked it. It's not, it's not good. Is that wrong? Like, here's, here's a thing that I get into frequently. If I'm at dinners with people, meetings, networking, like, I'm like, I will send it back. Yeah. I will send it back. And, and that, it, it's got to be pretty disastrous, right? No, no, no. It's, it's not, oh, it just doesn't No, it's yeah, if you ever If you ever cook my steak, I'm eating it. I don't want to be wasteful. But if it's like, you bring me the complete wrong dish, this is a nightmare, I'm going to send it back. But people are afraid of that. Like, is that, is that a part of confidence? Like, what is it that, weeds people to this place where they will not ask for what they want. Like, Martin, how the hell do I ask the universe for what I want if I cannot send back the meal? Exactly. You have to. You have to send back the meal. Look, I went to a restaurant once. I got I ordered tuna. Rare. It came back completely well. I said, if you're going to bring me a well-done piece of tuna, bring me a can of tuna instead. It's the same thing. And they looked at me like, what? I said, can you please bring me a rare piece of tuna? I mean, I was very kind about it. And I don't know if I could do that. I said, okay, can you get the manager? I said, I asked for rare. He says, oh, okay. And he switched it. Otherwise, I was never going back to that place again. Yeah, or, or you would suffer. Yeah, suffer and never go back again. And that's, that's what I think about in all the choices and decisions of life that we make. Yeah, right. but you never know. You have to always look back. You know, they say hindsight is twenty twenty. Of course. Yeah. I didn't. You know, what's funny about? I didn't understand twenty twenty until like I got my eyes checked a few years ago. I was like, I always <laughs> wondered what that meant. You know, this has been an awesome conversation, Martin. I I, I feel like, and I, I, I want people to get these cards. I have them. Um, I've been playing with them. They're they're really fantastic because I think that 
we need prompts. We need a little bit of coaching on the go, if you will. These things like fit in my bag, which is really dope. I just took them with me on a trip and I was messing with them on the plane. Um, wow. Before I ask you my last question, man, tell everyone where they can find you and learn more. All right. So I have this site. It's called connectwithmartin.com. Couldn't make it more simple than that. So simple. Go on there. You can buy the cards. You can buy my book, which is also called Warrior to Warrior. You could also get free gifts like a coloring book for adults or a coloring book for kids on the seven tips you must know to have a warrior abundant mindset. I started to have a little fun. Color out. And it's okay to color outside of the lines. Mm, I love that. And of course, we'll put the links in the show notes on Martin's episode on thinkunbrokenpodcast.com. Just go to thinkunbrokenpodcast.com, type in his name. We will have all the links in the bio for you guys to go and grab these. My last question for you, my friend. What does it mean to you to be unbroken? That's such a good question. And for me, it comes from the fact that I live my life with this one word, life. L-I-F-E. And I live it by saying, I live incredibly full every day. That's the acronym of life that I've created for myself, to live incredibly full every day. And if you do that, you're living unbroken. Mm -hmm. Even when stuff comes up, how am I going to get through this? Have a positive mindset and go forward from there. Find the opportunity. What, what a great acronym. I love that, man. That's, that's now implanted in my head. Thank you so much for being here, my friend. Unbroken Nation, thank you for listening. Make sure that you go on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Rate, review, subscribe. Share this with someone because every time you do, you're moving us forward in the mission of ending generational trauma and helping people become the hero of their own story. Don't be on the sidelines. Get in the game because you may not know if this episode will be here for you in the future. That mm -hmm. said, my friends, thank you for being here. And until next time, be unbroken. I'll see you. Thank you so much for listening to Think Unbroken. Please share this episode with someone who could use it and help us move forward in our mission of ending generational trauma in our lifetime. And if you would, please take five seconds to pop on iTunes or Spotify, hit that five star, leave a review, and you can also reach out to us on social at Michael Unbroken or at Think Unbroken. And of course, you can check out our YouTube channel at Think Unbroken. Thank you for being a part of Unbroken Nation, my friends. And until next time, be unbroken. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program.